Welcome to It's Always Day One. My name is George Reed, a former Amazonian turned Amazon consultant. Each week on the podcast, you're going to hear industry experts, brand owners, and Amazon employees share their answers to the basic yet fundamental questions you should be asking yourself about your Amazon business. Now, let's jump in. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me for another episode of It's Always Day One. Today, we've got something a little bit different. I've got the brother Tom coming onto the podcast. Uh, Tom and I, for a bit of background, used to run Launchpod Academy and the listing people together. Uh, we've since split ways, and Tom's working on a rare of other things. Tom, welcome to the show. Do you want to give us a brief background that we can get chewed into some questions? Yeah, of course. So, um, obviously, I was helping Amazon sellers um, launch, sell on Amazon with their marketing. Um, moved away from Amazon now um, and helping more just general e-commerce brands, mainly focusing on their email marketing, retention, um, and off-Amazon presence. Nice. And to get kind of fired straight in, one common question I'm asking a lot at the moment is around sustainable success and how we create sustainable success on Amazon. But let's focus off for the time being. Um, how would you look to create sustainable success off of Amazon in 2021? Yes, yeah, so I think I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they focus so hard on that, like being profitable on the front end. Um, they obviously spend money on Facebook ads, Instagram ads, whatever the case may be, driving traffic to their website. And then they cut those ads if they're not profitable. The reality is right now, cost per impressions, uh, customer acquisition costs have increased massively over the last 12, 18 months. And the money needs to be made on that back end, which is why with brands that I'm working with and with my own econ brand, we're really focusing on building out a robust watertight back end so we can take that customer, we can acquire them. Um, it, we may hopefully, we'll hopefully the aim is to break even on that front end through that acquisition, but then we can then obviously leverage email, retargeting, um, direct mail, whatever the case may be on that back end to actually squeeze the profit out of them. And I just don't think many brands are doing that now. They're not focusing on that. They're focusing so hard on the front end that they're neglecting their back end where most of the profit's actually made. And there are any circumstances where um, on the front end, obviously with that cat going up massively, and everyone's always going to ask the question of, you know, ideal situation, you break even on the front end. But in some categories, surely it's becoming almost impossible to break even on the front end now. Oh, 100%. I'd say supplements. I mean, supplements, I'm working with supplement brands and their customer acquisition costs via Facebook ads. You're looking at like £15, £20. Um, it's really, really high. Um, and a lot of these brands, they, they just obviously like, well, to be honest, they, they kind of just cut the, cut the spend straight away. It's what, it's too high for them. They say Facebook, Instagram's not working. Therefore, they simply just, they just cut it. But the actual problem is, is that they just don't know how to retain those customers. Um, they've obviously got a, um, a consumable product. People utilize their vitamins, supplements, whatever the case may be. And they need to rebuy it for 30, 40 days later. And they just don't have any mechanism in, in place to actually do that. Now, obviously, the best mechanism to have in place is email. It, it doesn't cost anything to send out an email to your existing customer. But it's a direct touch point to that customer to lure them back in. And if you've got it set up properly, like automated flows set up properly, they can just work in the background for you. So an email can go out to someone, say 30 days, 40 days later, 
remind them that they're probably running low on their product now and then give them that offer to actually come back and repurchase. And if you can do that properly, then that's where you can afford to spend £20 to acquire a customer because you know on the back end that lifetime value of that customer is then going to be 60 70 80 whatever the case may be. Um, and yeah, it's interesting you say about supplements. Just yesterday, I read, you know, in the US alone, you're paying $10 a click for protein at the moment. Um, interesting yeah, note in, in Mexico, you're paying $1. So it, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that it's £15 on Amazon to acquire, uh, on Facebook to acquire a customer. With, with regards to those automations you've got in place, my only question would be, what data are you collecting to see that they're actually working how's the, how does that look so i use clavio for email marketing the clients that i use and it's so in-depth that it just gives you all of that data so for example you can segment people based on one what they've purchased two how many times they've purchased three when they purchased last so for example we've got different kind of audiences we've got an audience of people who have purchased once so like just one-time customers and the aim of that is to get them to two we've then got people who have purchased twice the aim of that is to get them to three and let's say four vitamins for example or supplements or whatever the case may be um when we get them to three we kind of know that they're going to become a customer for life and we want to then get them onto a subscription plan so we'd send them bespoke content to try and get them onto that subscription plan I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to go either straight for the subscription straight away. And I must admit, I fell into that trap um, before, you know, thinking, right, let's just try and get someone to subscribe. And it just takes longer for people to actually do that. You know, they need to actually trust that brand. They need to use those products multiple times to ensure that they actually work for them. And via email, you can do that. You can, you've, you've got that flexibility. You, you know what their actual lifetime value is of each customer. And therefore you can obviously put people in different buckets based on that. And you've obviously got three buckets identified there. One purchase, two purchase, and then three plus. Um, are you, mm -hmm. are you thinking about any different types of customers? Like what they're buying? Are you segmenting more? Are you segmenting based on how hungry they are? How, repeat their purchasing or yeah so you've also got different funnels when it comes down to email like you've got your welcome flows which obviously when people first get introduced to the brand and that's when you're obviously taking them through um the different kind of stages that they're at really obviously building trust with them um giving them reviews etc etc and the aim of that is to just get them to make one purchase once they've made that one purchase they then obviously then go into like a post-purchase flow which is again is fully automated and the good thing about utilizing like a platform like Clavio is that you can create flows and segment that customer based on what they've actually purchased. So let's say, for example, someone purchases something from MyProtein and they buy, um, I don't know, some uh, weight gain powder. You can send them content surrounding that weight gain powder, how to utilize it properly. And then within those emails, you can then cross sell, say, creatine to them. Um, and so that, that's the benefit of utilizing um, emails email in that kind of format is that you're not just sending out one email to absolutely everybody because the reality is if you've got multiple products everyone doesn't want the same kind of content they're, they're a different customer they've got a different kind of problem so therefore now with 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 d2c kind of um e-com -E kind of stuff you need to actually send bespoke content to people. And it doesn't mean that you're just writing bespoke content and sending them an individual email. It means just putting them into these kind of micro buckets and then sending them content that they're actually interested in as well. And 
there must be the temptation to make it ever more complicated and create more and more and more of these micro buckets and more and more and more of these automation flows for someone just starting this process. And I imagine there are plenty mm-hmm. <clears throat> as, as email kind of becomes ever more important, despite it being kind of the, the first form of communication. What advice would you give us to, do you start small? Do you go, just create two buckets? They, you've got two types of products where people typically buy first, create buckets for them, and then figure out like layer on top of it? Or do you go write down all the different types and then build out 10 micro buckets? Yeah, it's a really good point. So 100%, when you're first starting out, just go with simplicity. I'm a big fan of keeping things simple. So the first thing you want to do is you want to create a welcome flow. Hands down, it is the most profitable flow for you. Um, so let's say, for example, someone lands on your website, a pop-up appears, it says 10% off in, in return for your email. They input their email and then they simply just go through your welcome flow. Now on that welcome flow, what I'm doing with most of our clients that I work with, we're heavily pushing that kind of hero product from that brand, the product that generates 80% of their revenue, um, simply because it's, it's, it's going to generate the most conversions and nine times out of 10, it's the most profitable product for them as well. So most of the content surrounds that product. And then we're obviously, obviously just dripping in additional content as well about their other products. The whole aim of that is just getting to buy once. And then the other two flows that you want, one abandoned cart. 70% of people who go onto your website will abandon their cart. And you don't need to overcomplicate it with your abandoned cart. The first thing that you can do is just send out like a very simple kind of like text-based email to someone because most people just forget that they've abandoned cart. And then send them a couple of additional emails thereafter, kind of advising them why they should come back to you, blah, blah. And then you may then drip in like an incentive such as free shipping or a heavier discount code. And then you've obviously then got your post-purchase flow. So that's a third flow that you want to set up. And obviously I mentioned before about how we split it off into multiple different kind of uh, branches, as you would say. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you've just got a very kind of straight line flow that I just, uh, you know, introduce them, thanks, thanks them. If they've got any problems, contact us, um, et cetera, et cetera, then that's going to be suitable. Um, one thing that you obviously want to mention as well um, on that post-purchase flow is that you don't want to be trying to sell to people if they didn't enjoy the first purchase. So what I invest heavily in is sending out kind of text-based emails to people or text-based messages to people. Um, asking them if they're actually happy with the product um, because I don't want to then send them additional, trying to sell them additional stuff if they're not happy with the first one. It just doesn't create a very good user experience for people. And how soon do you go into that? Is that kind of, obviously, you set, you send your normal flow, your products on the way, and I assume this is part of the flow because that's something you want to keep them informed about and what people have come to expect from anything online, really. That seems like the <clears throat> the operational base, if you will. Following that, is it then a case of how is your product? How is the experience? And I'm guessing it depends on the product category and the product itself, how many days after they've received it, you then send that. Yeah, 100%. So what we normally do is we send um, a message out a couple of days after their purchase just to give them a point of contact if they've got any problems. And this is just a simple text-based email. Um, There's nothing else in there. There's no call to action or anything like that. It's just a text-based email from the founder of the company saying, thank you for your purchase. If you've got any problems, please send, please reply to this email and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you ASAP. It's just a really nice way to actually... Um, 
you know, communicate with that customer, showing that, you know, we're here if you've got any problems. And then obviously, again, it depends on the type of product that you've got of how quickly you actually move after that. Some products, for example, like let's say if you're selling collagen, um, that obviously takes a few weeks to actually work. You know, it doesn't work overnight. It's not like an instant kind of gratification product. So with that, the post-purchase cycle for that is slightly longer, obviously, because you need to give them actually time to actually utilize that product. Hey folks, it's George here. I'd like you to check out my new site, georges.blog. It's where you can find all of my famous weekly emails, as well as how we can work together. To repeat, that's georges.blog. Now, let's carry on with the episode. And with something like collagen, then, are you looking to uh, play a bit of education in that as well? It's the same with organic deodorant, where it takes three days, apparently, to get rid of your old deodorant before the organic then kicks in. So one of the issues is mm-hmm. people do it for the first three days and go, I still stink. So they're having that like, educational problem. Is it the same with collagen and similar products where you go, you may be experiencing the deodorant not working and that could be your opening line, for instance, and then you're looking to educate them, here's why, so that you're encouraging them to kind of see the course through, explaining why that could be the case. The same with collagen, it can take this number of days, stick to it, because you know if they go through that period, their experience heightens by whatever amount. 100%. So um, this is where we get a little bit more advanced, where we're sending um, people down a branch of a post-purchase flow based on what they've purchased. But we've got a flow set up for one client who sells collagen, um, and it does exactly that. The first email kind of educates them and tells them exactly how often they should take the product, when they should see results. Um, and this client also um, sells like sleeping tablets as well. And you know, again, we're going to be telling them this sleeping tablet isn't just going to knock you out. You know, you need to obviously, um, you know, be in a dark room, needs to be cold, blah, blah, blah. So there are additional things as well. And that's, and that's, that's what we've kind of found out from getting feedback from like their Amazon listings. People have commented saying this didn't work, blah, blah, blah. And the reality is it probably didn't work because they had additional kind of things going on that meant it didn't work. It's a supplement at the end of the day and people tend to forget this. So we're using that in the post purchase to educate them on this so that when they do come back to us and they say it doesn't work we can kind of say well you know did you did you is this one of the reasons why blah blah and the reality is when that happens then they're going to get a much better experience with the product because they actually know how to use it and a lot of people don't do that and i guess you're continuously delivering more value uh, you're improving that relationship you have with them when you when you go in initially though or what you found over the last um kind of few clients that you've been going into how many of them are just completely unaware of this? How many of them are even thinking about a post-purchase experience and how you can enhance it? Are, are they using email at the moment or is it just something where they're using it as a update process and that's all on the occasional sale? Yeah, so I think... I'd say 90% of brands just don't use email properly. Um, I'd say they've probably got it set up on MailChimp, which in my opinion just... If you're using MailChimp, you're just not using email properly because um, it's just not sophisticated enough. It's okay for a newsletter or something like that. But if you want to get, 
if you want to get in depth and start sending stuff to actually people who want your emails and segment people, it doesn't work. Um, but most people use email to send out sales stuff. Um, it's very common that people have an email list and the only time they contact them is when they've got a sale on or launch a new product or it's Black Friday. Um, and the reality is they don't get the best results. And why would you, you know, if you just have, if you, if you've ignored someone for a full 11 months, and then on that 12 month, just before Christmas, you message them saying, oh, buy our product. They're obviously not going to do it. You know, you need to build this relationship with people. You need to become memorable. You need to educate your customers. And at the end of the day, that's what a brand does. You, if you want to, if you want to really kind of succeed in the e-com space right now, you need to build a brand, not a business. Um, and doing that, that's what, that's what it does. Um, but most people, you know, most people don't have these flows set up. They might have like one, one welcome email set up. They might have one abandoned cart or they may just be using the Shopify abandoned carts, which are pretty basic, basic and 90% of people 95 percent of people don't have any post purchase in in at all really wow it's kind of kind of mad really and then those those that have something is it just poorly executed like you said there the shopify abandoned cart they just use the basic thing because it's you know well, there's a button i can press and there's a automated email created and i think one of the one of the issues i envisage i've not seen it is you get given a template but the template doesn't apply to your brand that hasn't got the right tone, the right voice. So the reason why they maybe initially interacted with you was because they liked your tone and your Facebook ad, or they liked your Instagram feed and they bought into your message a little bit and they kind of um, connected a little bit with you as a brand. If you then go and start using these templates, which are certainly uh, often sold across the web, you know, just plug and play your own name in and then use this and your sales are going to go up. Do you think that's just bollocks because you need to spend a bit more time crafting these emails with your own voice in mind? So I think a lot of people fall into the trap that they think that their emails need to be really, really kind of like lots of graphics, lots of images, um, something that just really kind of blows the reader out. Um, the reality is they simply don't. The the top emails that I follow from the top brands, um, Allbirds, Oliver Cabell, they're really simple emails. They have an incredible subject line that obviously uh, sells that click so or sells the open even. Then when you get inside the email, nine times out of ten, they've got one image that just grabs your attention for Allbirds. It's obviously their shoes or uh, their T-shirt or whatever they're selling. Oliver Cabell, they're also... Um, uh, an apparel company as well. So it'd be something along those lines. Then they've got a good headline, which um, immediately just pulls you in. And then that headline then pulls you into the copy. And the copy is just really short, sharp, just gets straight to the point. And then they've just got a call to action button. And nine times out of 10, that's how their emails are structured. And people forget that on an email, you're not trying to sell your product on an email. You're trying to sell a click to go to your product page. Your product page on your website sells your product, not your email. So there's no point in just spending half a day designing an email that's got all the bells and whistles. You send it out. The service providers, where you know Google uh, or Gmail, even Hotmail, whoever the case may be, see all of this kind of um, all these images in there, all these kind of gifts and everything, and just chuck it straight into junk so it doesn't even get opened. You've put no emphasis on the subject line. So even if it does get delivered, it doesn't get opened. And it's so complicated when someone actually opens it, they never actually get to that call to action. They don't know what to do. Or in worst case scenario, you know, you've, they know what to do, but you've got so many call to actions in there that they don't know which one to click on. So email design is really important, but 
with design, I think copy is part of that. You know, that falls, it's the structure of the text, how it's written, um, the kind of tone of voice. And at the end of the day, if you don't really know what you're doing, then just go for simplicity. Have one good quality image, a little bit of text, a really clear call to action, and you can't really go wrong with that. And would you be placing a lot of emphasis as well on that copy itself? If you're not gifted um, from a literacy point of view, if you aren't very good with words, if you can't structure sentences very nicely or think of anything witty to put on the headline, what advice do you have on that? So the headline needs to spark curiosity. Um, so what I normally do is if I'm trying to think of something, I just put something really random in there and it's normally like a question. Um, and just so it kind of just like kind of knocks someone off their kind of normal kind of how they're browsing, how they're viewing their kind of email. They just think, what's this? And that's all you need to do with, the, with that subject line. It doesn't even need to be really relevant, really. It just needs to get them to open that email. Um, and then when you actually get, because that's half the battle at the end of the day. Um, and then when you obviously get them inside your email, then the copy doesn't need to be fancy. It can just be really just short sentences, choppy sentences. And if anyone's actually struggling of how to write copy, I strongly advise reading like the Jack Reacher books. I've just started reading them now. And obviously they're fiction. But you read that first um, opening chapter of like a Jack Reacher book. It, they're really short, sharp sentences. And that's how you need to structure your copy when you're writing anything. Whether you're writing emails, Facebook ads, um, copy on your website, whatever the case may be. It just needs to really be short and punchy and just make sure that people just stay engaged with it. But like I said, it doesn't need to be an essay. You don't really want long form, massive long form copy in an email. The whole purpose of that email, as I just mentioned before, is to get people to click on that link um, and just do what you need to do really to get people. It could just be an image and a button. That may just work. If you sell something really visual, it could simply just be a picture and a button. I think it kind of it comes back to a point I've been making recently about that main image and Amazon. If your main image is, is shoddy, you're not going to get the clicks. You could have the best A plus in the world and you could put all your attention on A plus or storefronts or whatever, but you need to click in the first place. And that's <clears throat> a really good point about that subject line. Um, do you, do you recommend split testing or anything like that? Do you recommend kind of trying different things, um, throughout a period of time? Like each week you try a different style with your subject line or anything or? Yeah, 100%. So uh, in Clavio, you can split test all your emails. You can A-B test everything, and then it automatically finds a winner for you after it's sent a certain amount of emails. Um, so that's really good. And you can split test, split test sorry, different things. You know, like you can split test the subject line. You can split test, maybe change the image in the, in the email um, to see which one obviously um, got a higher click-through rate. Um, but all I say is, is obviously have just one, uh, variable change on each one. You know, don't change multiple things at once. Just make sure you've got one thing changing. And I guess people can probably split test <clears throat> for, for a very long period of time and try so many different things. Excuse me. <clears throat> but, um, that, that there surely is a point where you, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking maybe you go, you run it two different split tests but two different styles so like here is one style where you always ask a question or another style and you run that for a period of time and that way you get a little bit more data to go actually emails with questions you know test b we do every week where we send it out with a question as a subject always performs better than test a where we send it out with a statement um something like that could also i don't know thinking aloud just be a way to kind of test and obviously get 
regular insights because you could just have one yeah. great question. Yeah, hundred. 100%. You know, at the end of the day, the more emails you actually send, you kind of gauge what your audience start opening. So, for example, if you're selling vitamins, the, the emails that we send out for vitamin companies, the, the how to, how to improve your immune system in, for seven steps to improve your immune system. They work really well. Um, whereas other kind of brands who are selling gin, for example, we kind of get a little bit more quirky simply because that's the nature of their brand. So they're kind of shorter, shorter subject lines. Um, I'd say mostly subject lines, less than 70 characters. You don't want to be any longer than that. Also testing emojis, chuck emojis in there. Um, you know, they work really well. Um, if you don't overdo it, um, and they obviously stand out from that inbox as well. So yeah, hundred percent. It's really important to keep testing things. Nice. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. No other, no other final questions from me. Um, what I'll do for, for those listening is I'll include a link to, to Tom's site, rockballconsulting.co.uk in, in the, in the show notes. So you can go explore, um, working on email a little bit more. Um, any final comments on your side? No, not at all. Well, I'll just say, if you're not doing email right now, it's hands down the most important channel for you. It's one of those channels where you own the data, you know, you own those customers. Um, if you sell on Amazon, you don't own any of your customers on Amazon, Amazon do. If you're focusing all of your attention on driving all of your traffic from Facebook and Instagram, as we know, you know, both you and I, um, you know, Facebook can disable your account overnight and you're absolutely fucked, to be honest. Um, and as we've noticed in the last month, you know, new updates with these um, Apple have released these iOS, iOS updates are going to have an impact, a detrimental impact. Email's not going anywhere. It's been around for so long and it's not disappearing. Um, people open it all, all the time. Um, and SMS as well, you know, text messages, that's something that we're tapping into as well. Um, really, really important as well. Um, so yeah, I'll just say if you're not running emails right now, you really need to be, you need to make sure that your back end's watertight before you drive traffic to your website. And I think, yeah, kind of adding on to that with, if you tie it back to Amazon with things like advertising getting increasingly more competitive, coming back to that very first point at the start of the episode about making money on the back end is becoming so much more important. And then also the visibility of we are actually making money on the back end X percent of times. How can that influence other, other decisions in the business? Mm-hmm. No, a hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on and I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Cheers, George. See you later. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Nice. I think that was good. Hey guys, just a quick one. If you are enjoying the podcast and either have some actionable next steps or new ideas, I'd really appreciate if you could, one, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. These are really, really important to us, as you probably know, being in the Amazon world. And two, if you're looking for additional support with your brand, head over to the website. It's always dayone.co.uk where we've got links to other resources. That's all for now, guys. Speak soon.